What do you say, Lego Colorado? Can we make some noise? We've got some runners on six. We're about to crown a new champion here at the 2018 Century League Lego Trail 100, presented by La Sportiva here in beautiful Lego, Colorado, with his wife here at the finish line. He put the hurt locker on the rest of the pack all day long, put the hammer down, and he never let up. I'm talking about Rob Carr, former champion from 2014. His best time back then was 1609.39. He's going to beat it today. Probably come in underneath that coveted 16-hour mark as well. Also finished, as I mentioned last week, the Leadville 100 Mountain Bike Race, 14th place overall. He was named Ultra Motor of the Year in 2013 and 2014. Two-time Western State 100 Mile Champion in 2014-2015. He also won three 100s within the course of 11 weeks back in 2014 in the Western State. The Red Rabbit Run in the Leadville 100. He's a North Face Endurance Champion. They one of the 50 most influential people in running. So let's make some noise for your champion here in 2018. He is on his way in. And I know he can hear you. This is a quiet town. We've been quiet all day long. Rob, that is all for you, brother. He said the fastest known times for the double and single crossings of the Grand Canyon. And he's going to beat his own PR out here in Leadville. 16.09.39. And we're not even at 16 hours. Here he comes. He had a phenomenal day. Just put the hammer down and like I said, never let up. That's what it's all about. He's gonna work this finish line shoe like this one here. Rob Carr from Flagstaff, Arizona. Taking the crowd at the Century Lane Lego Trail 100 run. Presented by Los Fortuna. Congratulations on your own PR, doing this in under 16 hours. We'll get your official time here in just a moment. Let me turn this music down and Rob, take me through your day for a second. We are watching you on our Facebook live feeds. Our great uh, Lifetime crew was posting these feeds of you just cruising through these aid stations. Walk us through your day and tell us how you're feeling. Oh man, I am just, I'm flabbergasted. You know, it's been a, a long couple years for me, working through a number of injuries couple other personal demons and uh, to get back here and and feel like I'm on top of the world is uh, you know I, I've raced I've raced a lot but this may be my uh, most fulfilling race yet I'd say so Rob you're, you're obviously a 100 multiple time 100 champion you're a coach um, take us runners and non-runners through you know uh, we, we hear you say a lot about the physical challenges that's the obvious part you also talk about the mental challenges of getting through one of these ultras. Is there one more important than the other? Uh, you know, they go hand in hand for sure. Um, yet late in the race, and uh, there's so much uh, uh, mental strength required to, to get to the finish line, stay strong. Um, you know, starting the stand on the start line this morning is really a bit of an unknown for, an unknown for me. Um, I do not have a perfect build up, so uh, especially after the race, uh, seven days ago, the bike race, uh, I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> but uh, 
I felt uh, I felt amazing at times, and it's been a while since I felt that, and I felt really terrible at times. But you know, that's why that's why we sign up and and and, and run 100 miles. So it makes it special. Those are the, those are the times that you remember. You're gonna remember, uh, you know, um, talking with friends 20 years down the line. So uh, I'm so thankful to be out here. So you're a multiple time 100 champion, as I mentioned. You just mentioned the 100 bike that you just finished last weekend where he finished 14th place overall out of nearly 2,000 riders out there on the course. Back in 2014, you finished three 100, first place, three 100 mile races, Run Rabbit Run, Western States, and of course the Leadville 100. Uh, you, you, your wife was telling us you went through a little period, as you just mentioned, of some injuries and some other things going on. Tell us what's next for you in, in the running community or the mountain biking community. Where, where are your thoughts and where's your mind at? Uh, I think I'm going to go hit, uh, what is it called, Mile High Pie? I'm going to start there. <laughs> That's a start. Everyone, Rob Crow, your 2018 Century League Level 100 champion. Give your wife a hug and let's make some noise for you one more time in a phenomenal job. Less than 16 hours. 15 hours, 51 minutes, 57 seconds for Rob Crow, his official time. Welcome to Training for Ultra, the podcast. So here I am, I've put in upteen hours and hours of training to prepare for my A race. Yeah, I, I feel very fortunate to make the lottery to be able to run CCC. I know a lot of people didn't make that lottery, um, but I'm, I'm just thankful to be running, running regularly, more consistently. I'm now three years into it so I mean yes I want to prove this to myself but I also want to show you that these dream races can become tangible things if you're smart and dedicated with your training but it all starts with a dream it has to be a goal that motivates you to the core like this race I truly held back in a lot of my races throughout the entire year to make sure I didn't do anything stupid and hurt myself because I wanted to show up in Chamonix, Cormayor, feeling 100%. And I ruined a few tapers going into races throughout the year, but I was smart. I didn't, I held back. I didn't do anything stupid. I didn't, didn't even roll an ankle in 2018, and I'm feeling 100%. Like this taper is going perfectly. And I get messages like, hey, shouldn't you be doing more vert and that sort of stuff? And I honestly, I go back to, um, it's actually a David Roach article in Trail Runner magazine that talks about how Claire Gallagher went into CCC last year when she won. She won. So I feel like I have a solid base going into CCC. But it, I mean, yes, this is about me, like, you know, overcoming some stuff. Like, yeah, I was going to be put on Lipitor, and this marks my third year running. Um, but it's more than just my personal goal and personal aspirations. Like, I really want to show you guys that you're capable of more than you might realize. Like, if you really, really are smart and dedicated about this, and I have two kids, and, you know, I have to be at my job early in the morning and, you know, work till five six o'clock at night like I'm 
I have a ton of responsibilities outside of running, but you can do this. Like if you think through how to put your training, like I do a lot of lunch runs. You guys are capable of doing these, uh, these big goal races and you got to believe in yourself and just truly stay dedicated, stay smart. I think the biggest part of this year over my previous two years of running is that I haven't hurt myself at all. And uh, I've, I've been pretty smart about things. So CCC has been a dream race. I mean, I've ever since starting running in the basement, September 2015, like on the treadmill, I was watching Bill Yang's films. And yeah, one of the films is about CCC and UTMB. I think the, the film that really inspired this dream run was, I think it was the Nike Elite team going and running but I, I can't remember exactly which video it was but just pick a goal race that really really motivates you even if it's not an official race if it's like a you know first known time or you know you can pick whatever you want but it has to truly motivate you to get out the door on those days that you don't want to get up and at this point I trust my training like I know after finishing never summer 19 and a half hours that's pretty much my worst case scenario at CCC. I think it's going to be a little bit more runnable. Yes, it has 20,000 feet of gain in 100k, which is a lot, but I'm confident. Like I know my body is peaking out for this race. I was worried I was peaking out for never summer and I just went out during a lunch run and dropped my fastest 5k time. So I'm, my body is definitely, definitely accelerating and feeling some gains. And I started off in 2015, happy as a clam running 15 minute, 16 minute miles, which I mean, part of me was like, I could probably be walking faster than this, but I was actually, you know, I had a stride and I was running, it was slow. Um, so it meant a lot to me this past week going for a faster run during lunch and throwing down like, I don't know, 715 a mile. So I more I cut more than half my time off when I started. So this is like a really important, you know, personal marker for me being three years into running. And most importantly, if you are out there running right now and you're doing 15 minute miles, I'm here to show you like it's okay. Like it takes time to progress. Be patient. It takes months and months to build a aerobic base, but you can do it. You know, my doctor was going to put me on Lipitor. I was monitoring my blood pressure daily, putting it in an Excel spreadsheet for him. I had to go, I think, every two weeks to the doctor. So I've I've managed to overcome that and get healthier. And, you know, I'm back to my high school weight right now. Um, and I, I think you guys can too. I'm not special. Uh, I'm pretty normal work, you know, full-time working dad of two kids so but layer your layer your goals like I I think that's really a helpful you know, tip that's helped me personally is setting little sort of stepping stones to work your way across the creek and then you know before you know it you'll be be able to bridge a, a larger larger water body um, but yeah I I think, um, go on to my Strava. I've, I've been fortunate, if you want to call that, call it that. 
but I, every run I've ever done is on Strava. Like that's pretty much how new of a runner I am. And, you know, it's, I look back at some of those very first runs and honestly, they were some of the most joyful moments ever. So I knew I had found something. I knew I was slow and you have to be optimistic and remind yourself, like, this is just the beginning. Things are going to get faster if you're just smart. And I think a lot of my progress this year has been not or injuring myself, which has included a lot more slower runs and realizing like, okay, listen to your breathing pattern. Maybe I am, this is, you know, this training runs in the black hole, but then I've also learned talking to Michael Owen quite a bit and hanging out that my faster runs need to be pushing the accelerator more. And maybe those are only 10% of my weekly runs, but my faster runs need to be faster. My slower runs need to be slower. And none of this stupid, you know, in the middle training that really isn't giving me a result on speed or aerobic base building. So, I mean, for us non-elites in the middle to back the pack, I just want to show you guys that these dream races are not unobtainable. And... I go out here to Chamonix to, to not only prove to myself, but truly to motivate you and inspire you guys that you're capable of just about anything. And I know it's a big deal getting UTMB points. And I, I was there too. Like, how am I going to finish this 50 miler for four UTMB points? Like I can hardly do that. And like, how am I going to obtain the necessary amount of points for this race and that race? So I've been there, but I want to show you, like, if you're patient and you're smart, you can do this. Because I'm going right now, like, next week. So I got a note from Jess. She wrote me, CCC feels like this big, unobtainable race that none of us regular runners could ever attempt. You're our bridge. And thank you for that note. That means a lot. And that's what this is all about. Like, I'm just a normal guy yes i i'm pretty pretty dedicated to running but if you check out what my training is i'm not doing anything stupid like it's most of my weeks i want to say on average for all of 2018 i've probably done between 30 and 35 mile weeks and i've been very strategic about placing races throughout the year to you know hopefully get some adaptation and yes, I'm fortunate to be training at 6,000 feet, but um, I I think the major part of this is to show you like you don't need to be doing 100 mile weeks to get into big races and to have fun. You know, I'm I'm no elite by any means. I'm not even upper pack like faster. Um, I, I'm crushing middle of the pack, so my goal is top 500. I think it's a very reasonable goal and. Who knows? We'll we'll see how the day unfolds. If at the start line I'm feeling good, um, I've set up myself throughout the year to be super patient and wait for this race. And if I want to try to AK, if I want to hammer some miles, um, I'm going to let myself go on this race. So we'll see how it unfolds. Big thank you. I wanted and Jen was a, a Patreon sponsor, uh, so big thank you to all those Patreon supporters. Uh, especially Scott, Chris, Tara, Jeremy, 
uh, all, all the newer ones. And then I think Lori is a big thank you also. You know, we're, we're slowly gaining momentum there. I, I hope to eventually get 300 Patreon supporters. I think we're up to 37. So I'm thankful for each and every one of you guys. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition. I'm going to be using... I, I've already packed it. So Hammer Perpetuum. And then actually the banana hammer gels were hitting the spot. So I'll have a tropical and a banana for whatever reason more like the fruity flavors for um for gels and let's see recoverite's a must at the end of the race and i'll be throwing in um some of the bcaa and endurance caps throughout like every 20 minutes or so and fizz of course so and then big thank you to sufferfest beer it's friday night so i'll probably i'm, I'm in full taper mode I'll probably have a taper in the next day or two. I don't know if I'll have one tonight, but very good beer. FKT is, I, I need to get a hold of some more of that because that was my absolute favorite. The Blonde's really good. The Repeat, Pilsner. But yeah, I'll, I'm very thankful to go out to Chamonix and get to see some of my other Sufferfest teammates out there. I don't know if there'll be Hammer teammates out there. I, I don't know how many sponsored Hammer athletes will be in Chamonix. I should probably ask them. But on that note, I am actually doing an Instagram takeover of Hammer Nutrition's Instagram feed. So check that out. If you don't hear too much from me, um, I'll try to be a little bit active there. And I'll try to I'll try to capture some video, but again, we'll see how the day is going. And last but not least, Tommy Byrne, Bigger Than the Trail. They specifically sponsored CCC training updates and all my kind of CCC focus, and they're helping me get out there. So, Tommy, big thank you to you. And it, it's an important topic. I mean, mental health awareness. I think, you know, Billy Yang's Rob Carr interview this week hit hit it right on the head. I mean, it's, it's a big issue, and Tommy's, you know, had the fortitude of setting something up to help anyone that needs to talk things through so big thank you to bigger than the trail so this episode i was going to go into you know a full interview and do the the typical routine but i'm just i was really inspired by gary stotler and he's picked a race that's lit a fire under under him and he's he's been going at it you know last time we talked to him he, he wasn't really sure he was moving and uh he had DNF'd at Leadville 100 mile race and I was so happy to to catch up with him almost a year later we talked to him the day after Leadville last year and of course I was first to text him and and get a hold of him and hear how things went this year because it's a little bit different story but hopefully uh, you guys are inspired and and thank you for the support truly appreciate each and every like and comment on social media you know i i take them to heart and maybe a little too much and just appreciate you guys and hopefully this episode inspires you and hopefully this whole you know progress of of getting my way to ccc inspires you to set big ambitious goals that are still reasonable and realistic but motivate you to train daily and at least make some healthy decisions with food and whatnot so have a great week. Thank you guys for the support, and hopefully I'm not too delayed on my next uh, next podcast episode. Have a great day. See ya.
I'm joined here again by Gary Stotler. He is a friend of the show. We've heard him before. Episode 4 is all about Gary's story. Highly recommend that episode if you haven't listened to it. If you're in the need for some major inspiration. Gary, thanks for joining me again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always happy to be here. I apologize. My voice, and my if I start coughing at all, I went for a run today, and the air quality in Denver today is like super, super low, which was probably a bad idea, actually. But, yeah, I apologize in advance here. Uh, no worries. We'll get through it. I hope it gets better. <laughs> Thanks. So, Gary, we talked to you after Leadville last year, and I was – I was, I, I feel like I was as devastated as you were because I was really, really pulling for you to finish Leadville 100-miler. Um, and I'm trying to recall how far you made it last year um, before I think you missed a, a cutoff. Uh, I made it to 69 miles last year to the half pipe aid station. And I actually ended up quitting last year. Um, it was, I, I made the cutoff um, and I had the choice to either go on and uh, possibly miss the next cutoff or quit. And uh, due to, uh, Lots of different reasons I ended up quitting on myself there. So what what have you been doing the past year? I mean, I feel like this has probably been your focus for, what, six months? I, I know we did check in with you um, earlier this year, but w- what have you been up to in between Leadville's? Kind of walk me through your decision on signing up for this again. Yeah, so uh, actually we talked the day after Leadville last year, and uh, I remember I had a couple very specific goals, and one was to have some fun again. Um, I had I had lost all the fun that I used to have uh, for running, and uh, so that was one of my major goals was to just run lots of miles and find a bunch of smiles. So uh, that was that was a goal, and uh, for a year I focused on that goal specifically. Um, and I have definitely, I've definitely had the most fun I've ever had running uh, for the last year. Um, last year after Leadville, another one of the goals was to uh, some, a lot of my life. Um, I, I had had some rough stuff going on last year. I was in a very, very bad spot of my life um, with with depression and drinking and uh, just life in general. Um, so I actually spent the rest of 2017 cleaning up a lot of that stuff, um, and then I. We talked um, beginning of the year right after I moved to Denver, um, and so that was one of the best decisions I've ever made, uh, moving to Denver um, for running. The running community is just fantastic, and I've loved loved the group runs and uh, the people that I've met through there. And uh, yeah, so I, I pretty much took the rest of the rest of 2017 off, um, and I say off, but I was running about 100 miles a month, just kind of having fun, recovering. And then um, I ended up about tw- beginning of 2018. I was still running for fun, and um, I, was, I just cut my runs really, really short. I didn't run more than 15 miles uh, from January through April, um, and I just focused on getting a lot faster. Um, I focused on running instead of running four times a week, running six times a week, um, and I really I built up my mileage. Um, really really fast and i ended up slimming down quite a bit i noticed um, that some some of your instagram photos i'm like dang gary your your yeah. legs your legs have turned rock solid 
They are. Um, and you know, the crazy thing about the slimming down is I weigh the exact same amount that I did last year. Yeah, that like, you told like, me that I think at Silver Rush, and I was just blown away at that fact because you look like you're 25 pounds lighter. I I feel about 50 pounds lighter, which is even better. Um, so yeah, and I'm I'm faster faster than I've ever been, I'm stronger than I've ever been. So how, how'd you how'd you work on speeding things up? You said you you're working on getting a little bit faster. What what training techniques did you use for that? Um, one of the things that actually helped me was uh, I used to run, I used to run about fifty miles a week on four runs a week, and this year I was running about fifty miles a week um, on six runs a week, and I also ran a lot more roads um, this year than I did last year. And a couple, a couple things. I love mountains. I love climbing. Um, climbing is my strong suit. Um, and so I knew that I could. Al- I always had climbing to fall back on. I changed my strategy um, a lot this year after I studied the course um, a lot differently. And um, last year I thought that it was, you know, it's you're in Leadville and it's all mountains and it's all trail. And after studying it, um, I really, I really started to look at the. The race is two 40-mile road races with a mountain in the middle. And so you think of it from 0 to 40 and from 60 to 100, it's relatively flat. Um, you know, there's some hills in there and, you know, there's probably, you know, there's Powerline and uh, Hagerman Pass and um, some stuff coming in and out of Twin Lakes. But for the most part, you don't have your big climb until Hope Pass. So I focused on getting uh, running uh, faster and gaining speed. Um, I focused on going from uh, four runs a week to six runs a week. And what I noticed was um, taking my 50 miles a week and breaking it up into six runs rather than four runs, my body was recovering faster, and I was just naturally getting faster. Nice. Uh, that's really – that's a great insight for the listener. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't – I, you know, I don't follow conventional training. I don't do uh, speed workouts. I don't do all of that stuff. I just run. Um, and I just run to, if I'm having a good day, I just run faster. And if I'm having a bad day, I just go out and I try to just get through the miles and just get the time on my feet. Um, and so I still, I still love running trails and I did run trails this year, but I knew that my trail legs and my climbing legs were always going to be there for me. Yeah. And so I had to focus on my weakness, which is road running and speed running and just getting out there on the road and just, you know, essentially just grinding it out. I hate the word grinding, but that's that's kind of what it was. But just smiling through uh, the concrete. And so by doing that, you know, my runs, I, I would go I was going from, you know, my easy runs at 11 minutes a mile to 10 minutes a mile and down to nine minutes a mile. And then. You know my my fast runs. You know my fat my fastest mile ended up being like six twenty or something, um, which is something that's just for a two hundred twenty five pound. That's guy, phenomenal, Gary. It's Jeez, yeah, dude. not something that you see. So, yeah, um, definitely a big change in strategy this year. Um, I mean, and then, I, mm-hmm. not to not to cut you off there. I I was just gonna say like Jen. A listener of the podcast just messaged me today. She's like, do you have a coach? And I have to say, I, I go by almost the same strategy that you go by, and that is, 
I mean, I'm I'm still honestly trying to build a base because I'm only three. CCC will be like my the mark for my third year of running, and like you, I mean, I don't spend any time at the track, but. I was profoundly affected when I, I talked to Michael Owen and we hung out a lot and he's like, yeah, 90% of my runs are like easy runs and 10% are hard runs. And most people don't make their hard runs hard enough and they don't make their easy runs easy enough. And like ever since hanging out and talking to him about that, like I've modified my training a lot. Like I, I try to truly make my faster runs just suck and painful <laughs> and I'm trying to slow down as much as possible on my easy runs. So it sounds like you found the strategy of cutting up and, and, and making instead of four runs per week, six runs per week. Now, were you, are you doing doubles in that, in that time frame? Or are you just uh, making your daily run shorter and maybe like more focused? Um, so I started from, I went from four to five and then from five to six. Cause I always, always, always step. Um, I never jump. So, um, just throughout, you know, January through April, I just went from four to five runs a week and then from five to six runs a week. Um, cause that was obviously a transition for me. Um, and then I, I also built up my mileage, um, as I was going. And so that was kind of the first part of it. And I kind of, you know, I've been, I've been, you know, trying to transition into a better, faster runner. So I tried to take into some of the stuff that I've learned, um, even way back ago when I just was literally trying to learn how to walk around the block. Mm -hmm. And some of that stuff um, that I learned was it was the nice, easy walks around the block um, that did the best things for me. Um, It was, you know, literally I, I didn't start running for a year, um, but by walking and dropping that weight, there was less weight on my knees. And by starting super slow, I was able to build up all of those little bitty muscles that you need to not only get stronger and faster, but to stay healthy. And so going to those light, easy runs, I just wanted to get the time on my feet. I was just enjoying myself. I was going to group runs. Um, so yes, there was a couple times where I would double up, um, in a day, but it was, you know, if I had eight miles, I'd do five in the morning and then I'd go to a run group and run three with some friends, um, you know, at night. And so it's not even like I would press myself in the morning and then, you know, be easy at night. I would just do whatever I felt like doing. Group um, runs are so much fun. <laughs> they are, they are so much fun. Yeah. Highly recommend that. Like just check out your local run club. And, and just try it once. Yeah. If you don't have fun, don't ever go back. <laughs> but you're going to have fun. So. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of that, a lot of beginning runners are, are worried about going to group runs because they may not think they're fast enough or they may not think they can go far enough. And I can guarantee you any run group that I've been to, there is not anybody that's there to just, you know, just show you how fast they are. They're going to be very accepting. Um, the running community totally. is nominal with all of that. So if you have a hard time running, if you have a hard time walking, just go and someone will be there to help you through it. So, um, uh, I've been, I've been where you've been and I've been scared to go to run groups. So I just want to let you know, you know, don't, don't close out a run group cause someone will be there that will help you. So I totally, sorry to no, no, that. 
No, that's awesome insight. Like, I totally agree, and I was that guy, too, who was scared to go to a, a group run, and uh, there's always someone that has that will end up running your speed essentially. And, and even if you're the last person in the group run, I mean, we all hang out afterwards for probably an hour. So it's like, uh, totally accepting group, uh, highly recommend it. I think it's good to build into your weekly regimen and it, it does kind of create a kind of a forced discipline for you. Like Thursday nights, runner's roost here in Lone Tree, like, you know, five o'clock to six o'clock and six o'clock to seven. Um, I love it. I'm, I'm glad that you shared that. So walk me through, I mean, it sounds like you did a marathon and I was blown away, Gary, you did, you did a marathon at altitude and it was definitely sub four hours, right? I did. I ran Colfax in May. Um, and I ran 351. It's and awesome, I ran it. It's really awesome. I ran it in the Hulk costume. <laughs> I took about forty selfies, and I did have to take a five-minute bathroom break. So, um, <laughs> all things considered, I probably could have ran about a three thirty. Um, <laughs> and so that that made me feel pretty good going into the summer. I was blown away. I saw that that finish time. I'm like, man, the Hulk costume. Like, I didn't think that was aerodynamic, but. Uh, and then it's definitely not <laughs> so you did that and it seemed like you'd been doing some some faster training into that and then uh leadville marathon i was i was passed on uh the climb to mosquito pass by you 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 are a really great climber by the way um i i love climbing it's my favorite thing ever i mean um, you you nailed that marathon i mean i assume these are logically sequenced going into leadville is that right right um and actually i ran eight miles before the leadville marathon that morning just, to rub, um, just rub it in gary that was that was the weekend of my 34th birthday um and ever since i you know for the past couple of years i've run my birthday miles um, and so I needed 34 miles. So I got up and I ran the first four miles oh, cool. of the hundred course and then ran, ran it back. Cause the, um, the marathon starts right there on the opposite side of sixth and Harrison. Um, so I ran eight and then I ran the marathon and I ran the Leadville marathon at five twenty. Um, That's awesome. which I've never run it yeah. before. So obviously it was a PR, but I felt like a million bucks when I crossed that finish line. Um, I could have kept going for a long time. I'll, I'll be there next year with you. We'll have to run. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do some more miles together. And then um, you made me feel really bad about Silver Rush too, Gary. Because <laughs> didn't you do some crazy run before Silver Rush's 50-mile run? I did double hope the day before. So um, <laughs> it was 22 three miles um, up and over Hope Pass. Um, yeah, and then, then I ran Silver Rush on Sunday. And then I took Monday off. Then I did my normal five miles on Tuesday, my normal eight miles Wednesday, took my rest day Thursday, and then I did uh, 15 miles up Mount Elbert on Friday for 100 miles that week. I, I think the listener, and you're sort of a genius here, I mean, this is, sounds like something crazy, like a Dean Carnassus, like I'm going to run a marathon into a marathon and then run back or whatever, but you can utilize a marathon as a perfect like double run into big 
like hundred mile uh, race goals, and I think Gary doing the double hope pass the day before he does the Silver Rush fifty is like a perfect example. Very smart training, and I think it's part of the reason you were so successful this year at Leadville. But let's let's segue into the Leadville hundred mile. I mean, you you came off a really difficult DNF last year. Kind of where was your head? Day before the race. Uh, where was my head day before the race this year? Yeah. Um, so I, I've literally spent the last year thinking about this race every single day. Uh, the first five months, should I do it again? And then the next, uh, what, next eight months, um, actually planning for it and executing a plan. Um, July, I hit 300 miles for the month. And I shut, I literally shut my body and my mind off. Um, July 31st, I took the day off unexpectedly. Um, and so I spent three weeks just going over my plan, prepping times, um, you know, getting food and everything, sitting down with my crew chief and her and I went over, we went over stuff over and over and over again. Um, and finally, like week before the race, I just, I said, you know, we agreed, we want everything done. Um, and then the week before the race, I just shut down. Um, I didn't think about Leadville. I went to, I went to the Broncos game, uh, the weekend before and, um, you know, just anything that had to do with running. I just, I shut my mind off from it. Um, because last year the anxiety got to me so bad that I made, I made some poor decisions leading up into the race, uh, which some of those decisions is what cost me um, success there. So um, just having everything prepped and ready to go took a big, big relief off my shoulders. Um, I had a lot of fun with friends and, you know, I went, went on just a couple runs, didn't push anything. Um, and then the day before the race, I, I went to the pre-race meeting and then I just, just went and hung out with, uh, with some, uh, some of my crew hung out and tried to get into bed a little bit early. Um, which, you know, it never works. You never sleep the night before the race, but see, I sleep uh, like a baby. I, I don't know oh, if I've just done, you've done a lot of ultras. I mean, I don't know if I've just gotten to the point where I know I've done everything I can. I just like, uh, okay. Maybe it's the kids. I, I mean, you have two kids. You have two <laughs> boys too. So, um, I do, yeah. but this was an important race for you. So, walk me through race morning. Like, when? What time did you set your alarm clock? What'd you What'd you do before the race? And tell me about that start line at four a.m. Uh, let's see. So my alarm went off at two, um, and then do your normal uh, do your normal business and take a shower. Um, then just got ready. I always eat a cinnamon roll on race day. Um, and then banana and peanut butter on race days and then coffee, lots of coffee. Um, so all of that two two hours prior, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I drink, I drink coffee all the way up to the start of the race. Um, but I try to eat as early as possible. Yeah. I Um, do the same exact thing. Yeah. Um, and then my, uh, my, I was lucky enough to have my boys here. Um, so I actually went over and I grabbed them and, uh, we walked to the starting line together just hung out and then uh i just found a spot kind of middle of the middle of the pack and just waited for that shotgun to go off that that it sounds ideal i mean talk about an inspiring way to start like so what was your race strategy like did you 
I don't need to go through like each each and every uh, segment, but I mean, generally speaking, were you going to take it easier than last year, harder? I mean, what modifications from last year had you made? Um, well, my goal for a long time has been sub 25. Um, I think that's, that's kind of like the, you know, the, the thing that everybody wants to do. Um, and so I set everything up. I set my training plan up. I set my uh, program up for it. And so my goal was to run, uh, the first section zero to 40 in seven and a half hours, do, uh, twin lakes to Winfield and back to twin lakes in seven and a half hours and then take 10 hours to do uh, the last 40 miles. Nice. Um, that's, a, and that's so, a really good strategy, uh, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I was on pace until I hit mile 70. Um, I was doing really good. My, I, I have to give a huge shout-out to my crew because um, my pack broke half a mile into the race. Um, I got GI issues a quarter of a mile into the race, and um, we agreed that I wasn't going to have them at May Queen because it was just too hard to get in there and it wasn't worth it. Um, so somehow I got a text message out um, at May Queen and when they were outward, they had um, my pack, my other pack ready to go um, and they had everything. Everything was just ready. Um, and so they, I mean, they scrambled on the go to get everything done for me. Um, outward, they got me in and out um, and then Twin Lakes. I hit, um, outside of Twin Lakes, I hit um, a dark spot. And so I didn't really want to see or talk to anybody. And I kind of just threw my pack at them. And they, I mean, they did everything. They crushed it um, nice. at Twin Lakes. And I can't thank them enough for dealing with dealing with me uh, while I was there. Um, and then when I got up on Hope, um, I hit my good spot again and I hit my stride. Winfield was awesome. Oh my gosh, there's nothing like going into Winfield and you know you just have lines of people everywhere and I bet I heard my name screamed out like 25 30 times which was like you want to talk about being 50 miles into a race and having a smile on your face and then having the whole crowd cheering for you. It's <laughs> it's awesome. There's such a great crowd at at Leadville. So not to backtrack too much here. Um first 12 and a half miles to may queen from the start you go around turquoise lake sort of you kind of work your way down i mean are you trying to save your quads because a lot of that is kind of downhill pounding um or are you just running on feel and and not thinking about it so i've run this this, these sections of the course so much that I just know how long it was supposed to take me and I just settled in. Um, other than I know there was, there's this, um, right by the boat dock, I knew there was a bathroom. And so I did try to get to that bathroom a little sooner than I would like to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so I, I did get there and then I did have to make up a little bit of time. I did pass more people than I pass um, around Turquoise Lake. Okay. Um, and how well, but, how well marked was the power line section? I mean, that had to be a pretty easy section because it was so well marked. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm joking. Um, so there, it's, you know, that section up, um, up the backside is actually pretty smooth. Um, and then down power line, I'm, I went down a little slower than I would have liked to. And then 
um, I ended up slipping and falling um, and scraped up my leg pretty good. And, uh, you know, luckily it didn't, didn't bother me too much. But, uh, yeah, it's, that's a good section. Um, you can either make up time or lose time on that section. And, and so going up Hope Pass for the first time, I mean, where, where is your mind? Are you trying to conserve or you're, you're, are you looking forward to this section because power hiking up is your strength? That is a phenomenal question. So I, I back to race strategy, things that I did wrong last year. Um, last year, because climbing is my thing, I thought that I could make up time on Hope Pass. Um, that was immature. But this year, I realized you're not going to make up time on Hope Pass, but you can lose time on Hope Pass. So my only goal was to keep moving forward. I didn't care how slow I was going. I just wanted to keep moving. So what I did in preparation for Hope is I did double Hope a couple times this summer. And one time I flat out ran it. I did it uh, the day before Silver Rush. I, I did Hope Pass double as fast as I possibly could. Um, any section that was runnable, I ran it. Any section that wasn't, I power hiked it as fast as I possibly could. So I did double Hope in 7 hours and 10 minutes. And then later on in the summer, when I was in even better shape, I did double hope where I hiked it. I did not take a single running step because I wanted to know how long it would take me if I was going slow. And it took me seven and a half hours. Nice. So I said the difference between running and not running is 20 minutes. Um, and so there's no reason for me to even worry about sprinting whole pass when I'm all, when the best case scenario is for me to, to save 20 minutes. So that's what I did was I, really just, I came up with yeah. to just keep moving. And um, on the way up the front side of Hope, I did really, you know, I did awesome. I didn't stop moving and then I ran down and then I ran the uh, 3.8 mile section into Winfield. And then coming out, um, I hiked up the, the welcome um, to the trail and then I, I uh, ran the trail to the bottom of Hope. From the second that you turn left at the sign, um, I did not take a running step until I got to the top of Hope Pass. I did not speed up. I did not slow down. If people wanted to pass me, they could pass me. Um, I did not pass a single person going up Hope Pass. But I did not stop moving. And I checked Strava, and that was the third fastest I had ever done Hope Pass, after, you know, and that was after 50 miles. Um, so just a strategy of not stopping was the biggest thing that I could have ever done. And then my pacer did an awesome job um, getting me down the mountain. We cruised down the mountain, and I actually made up 30 minutes to my plan um, on Hope Pass without trying. Just the whole strategy of just keep moving. What What is your 20-second description of Hope Pass? Like, how steep is it, just for the listener's background? Um, front side, I think, is, like, on actual Hope Pass is four miles up, um, 20, 25, 2,800 feet. And then the other side, um, actual Hope Pass is like two and a quarter, two and a half miles up, 3,000 feet. Um, oh, man. It's, <laughs> it's, it's steeper on the backside for a good solid section. Um, and the footing is kind of tough. That's my biggest thing is on the front side, there's lots of rocks. And I use them like stairs. On the backside, it's a whole different footing. 
And so I actually had to teach myself to climb a completely different way. So I actually climb, when I climb the backside of Hope, um, I actually turn sideways and um, just come up, I come up the mountain sideways and I switch back and forth every 10 steps. Um, so it's, it's hard to explain, but I climb, I climb the backside completely different than I climb the front. So Twin Lakes, uh, roughly for the second time is 100K mark. Um, where, where's, where's your mind? How are you in terms of your goal time? Like, what are, what are you thinking as you roll into Twin Lakes for the second time? I had a huge smile on my face. Um, my, my pacer and I rocked it. He kept me smiling the entire time. We, and like I said, we made up 30 minutes. Um, I had lost 15 minutes on the front 40. I made up 30 minutes. So I was actually 15 minutes ahead of my, uh, plan. Um, I came through, um, David Clark was standing there right by the timing mat and, uh, he's been a huge help to this, this thing. So, I mean, I gave him a big high five. Um, and I just came, I came through with twin lakes and an awesome mood. Things were going great. I I knew I'd crushed hope. I was feeling good. Um, I knew I got a new pair of shoes, a new pair of socks, um, after the water crossing. Um, so things were, things were going really well. And I knew that there was, there's another, it's three miles, 1500 feet, um, out of Twin Lakes, um, there's that climb directly out of there. Yeah. And I knew that it was coming, and I had a really good pacer for that section, and I knew that if I could just get up over that climb, then, you know, I, I had to run. And so I got to the top of that climb coming out, and my pacer did an awesome job, and we ran into half pipe, which is mile 69, 70. They changed they changed everything this year, but roughly mile 69 or 70. Um, and that's where I dropped last year. And, um, I hit a, I hit a rough spot coming in through that section and I ended up hitting a rough spot leaving that section. Um, cause I was right on my target pace, leaving, leaving half pipe. And then I just slowed down, um, from half pipe to outward bound. I just, I was having trouble running, um, running fast enough. I was running. I just wasn't running fast enough. And then outward bound, you hit that, um, you hit the road and that road section seems to take forever. And it was dark and it, the section into outward bound aid station wasn't marked very well. Um, there was, um, they changed, instead of glow sticks, they changed to a different lighting and so my pacer and I got confused, and there were some people about um, 100, 200 yards in front of us that had actually kept going. And once we passed it, I asked my pacer, I said, I think we were supposed to turn there. No glow um, sticks. Did... That's really well, strange. I thought they did glow sticks for the whole the whole thing. So it was lit. There was lighting, but it wasn't glow sticks, and oh. I didn't see the, the normal pink flags. Yeah. Um, and so as we went back, we saw that there was a, there was a – white marker on the ground so we had just missed it because um, it's obviously dark by then um but it just it just changed it was just different enough um i don't it was not the race's fault um it was just different it wasn't what yeah. we expected so um i th- i'm actually glad that um, my pacer ran up because he the people that were in front of us he went and got them and turned them around as well nice um they would have been so far out of the way as well but that field is like a mile long and trying to run that in the dark when you all you want to do is see your crew um it was kind of tough and then um 
when I got into the outward bound aid station, I looked at my watch and I realized that I was going to miss my time uh, for 25 hours because I was just far enough behind. Um, and quite honestly, I, I just broke down in my crew chief's arms and I just cried for a long time. And then I got frustrated and um, I made a stupid mistake. I didn't I didn't gather myself before I left the aid station. I just left um, kind of in a panic, um, yeah. just hoping I could somehow make up some time. And that was probably the worst decision of my race because I spent uh, – it's about two mile of road to the bottom of power line. And um, I was just – I was in a bad mood. Um, I couldn't get my legs moving. Um, I had been chafing and I had a really bad rash. I didn't take care of it. Um, I didn't – I had eaten something and it didn't settle with my stomach. And so that that section was hard and then it started raining and then it started downpouring. Um, and so just, I was already emotionally beat up and I was physically beat up and I knew that if I could just get myself going, I could do this, but I just couldn't get myself going. Um, and so that first, there's, there's four, there's four summits on power line and I spent the first summit, um, essentially wallowing in self-pity, um, to be completely frank and my pacer, bless her, she just kept me going and she just, she kept making me talk about the positives about life, the positives about the race and making me put, um, you know, those negative thoughts behind me. And, you know, she spent six hours with me on power line. It was the, it was the worst section of the course for me. Um, as far as I just, I was, I was not in a good spot mentally. I, I fell into this deep, dark place and, mm -hmm she stuck with me she kept me moving the entire time we did not run a single step of it um but somehow some way she got me through it she kept me going and i will forever be thankful because if she wouldn't have got me through that section um and if she wouldn't have stuck with me you know i could have i could have easily got to may queen and called it quits at 87 um but she kept me going when we got to the aid station at may queen um she, I mean, the crew, my crew took such good care of me. They got my, they got me warm again. They got me new socks and shoes. Um, they got me, I, they had coffee and ramen and potatoes and all sorts of stuff can for I, me. Can and, I just give a shout out to May Queen? Like, talk about whoever's, who is uh, manning that aid station. Holy cow, I felt like a, it was like a five-star resort in there. Um because they took care of me, it got super cold when you were talking about the rain coming in. The mm -hmm. temperature dropped probably twenty degrees or fifteen degrees. Um, yeah. Were you staying warm, and did you go by that that dreaded, uh, you know, the warm area with the seats? Did you sit I, down? So I made the mistake of sitting by a heater oh. last year. Okay. And when I refused to sit by a heater this year, under any circumstances, I could have had hypothermia <laughs> and you were not going to sit me down by a heater. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it draws you in and you don't want to leave. Just like most chairs, exactly. actually, at aid stations. Exactly. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, big shout out to May Queen, big shout out to my crew because they, mile 87, I mean, I had blisters on both feet. I had, I was chafing so bad. I was freezing. Uh, you name it. I thought I was, it was wrong with me. And although like the, the thought of quitting 
never crossed my mind. Um, the thought of just, I was trying to do runner math to see if I could just walk in that last 13 miles and still make the cutoff. And, um, you know, bless my crew because they got me going and they took care of me. They got me warm enough to get going and they got me out of that aid station. And, uh, you know, my, my pacer took me, I had one, I had changed a little, some pacers around kind of last minute for some reasons. And, uh, so one of them got me around turquoise Lake and man, he, he was awesome. Like I did not want to move and he just kept me going, kept me going. He would make me run and I would get frustrated and I would huff and puff and then I would start moving and then he would make me go farther and he just did a great job. Um, and then I got to pick up my crew chief, um, you know, right there on the, the exit of turquoise Lake and she busted my ass for five miles and she did an awesome job. We would run 30 steps on, 10 steps off, run 30 steps on, 10 steps off. And we did that for five miles. That's and awesome. uh, she made me smile. Um, and she made me feel so good about myself. And um, I, I went from a really, really bad place. And it took her about an hour and a half to get me to smile. But she did it. And uh, I, I got to enjoy the finish line rather than being miserable. Uh, through the finish line, which was nice. We, I, I was fortunate enough to pace May Queen to finish, and we started playing mind games. Like I was like, okay, Dave, we're gonna we're gonna run to the next glow stick, and then we'll hike from that glow stick to the next glow stick, and it was mm-hmm. kind of magical feeling, like by Turquoise Lake with all the glow sticks lined up in certain places, and it was kind of surreal. And then it's just, and, and what Gary isn't really sharing much is the fact that that last five miles is like straight uphill. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's just never ending hill. Like, and I, I mean, I felt the hill and saw it and it kind of sucked for me, but I had only run like 10 miles and, and you guys had run 95. So that had to feel like Mount Everest. Um, so well done well done there tell me about the finish line because you can see it from half a mile away um where were you mentally going into that finish line and just walk me through how it went okay um about two miles out um we called to make sure that my boys are going to be there, which was probably the most important thing to me. And as soon as we got off the phone with them, uh, I just started running. I, I would run just as far as I possibly could and then hike as little as I could. And then you, you take that little turn, uh, to get to the, to the asphalt. And we, we always have a tradition. You got to take a mile 99 selfie, um, just cause it's, it's such a, such an important part. And, uh, then the whole street is just lined with people. And, um, so many people that I knew and, so many people that are friends and family and they're just everyone 
everyone is there on their feet cheering and you see runners that you've seen for 30 hours and you see pacers and crew that you've seen throughout the way and you get to the there's a hill at the first part of 6th street just past the high school and as soon as you get to the top of that you can see everything you can see leadville you can see the finish line you can see crowds you can see runners you can see pacers you can see family you you can just see it all and when you get to the top of that street you realize that you made it and for me I've been waiting two years for that and so it's kind of a surreal surreal moment that you're actually there and then coming down that hill I just I ran there was there was nothing that was going to stop me from running the rest of the way in and my crew and my boys and uh, some you know very very few people were there um, but the people that were there were the most important people in the world to me and I got to go those last five blocks with my crew and my pacers and my boys and people people that I know from everywhere were screaming my name and I saw so many faces that I've seen on training runs and mountaintops and running groups and social media and that last section was was something I'll never ever ever forget and uh, that last that last moment before you cross the finish line I finally got to tell myself that I did it that's amazing I mean what would Ken say to you when you finish um gave me he gave me a big hug um, I had actually seen him at Twin Lakes out and gave him a high five and um, so he gave me a big hug and we exchanged a couple words and um, he's he said that he was proud to call me a son and that's awesome um, I should be proud of myself and so it was a nice moment yeah, after after Silver King I told him he's a sick man yeah, <laughs> to come up with this, but what an amazing experience you had. I mean, again, if the listener hasn't listened to episode four to hear Gary's whole story, I mean, I, I truly think there were three or four just phenomenal, there's probably a lot more that I haven't heard yet, but three or four just amazing Finnish stories clearly Rob Carr coming back from everything he's been through and Dave Mackey finishing Leadman and I truly Gary I put your story right up next to those two I think Gary Stotler's 100 mile finish you know from 400 pounds just you know hanging on the sofa being out of shape and and coming this far to finishing one of the hardest 100 milers in the world is just a phenomenal story and you should be so proud of yourself 
and I'm really, really happy for you that you got to go through the finish line with your two boys. I know how amazing it is taking your kids through the finish line, and you've you should be very, very proud though. I mean, it was amazing that you what you've done, what you've overcome, and it should be an inspiration to every listener, regardless of your abilities. You can change. Gary has changed. What do you weigh now, Gary? Like 175, 185? Like you've I'm, lost. I'm still, I'm still 220. 220. Yeah, you're probably yeah. all muscle at this point. But <laughs> from 400 pounds down to 220, finishing Leadville is phenomenal. So what, what were your? I want to close with kind of what were your final thoughts? having crossed the finish line like the next day you know you wake up with your kids like where where are you mentally now um honestly i don't know um it still feels like a dream um like i i obviously have it's gonna sound weird but i have a little disappointment um but it just didn't I came up short on my, my goals and mainly cause I, I made some stupid mistakes. Um, and I let my, my poor attitude get the best of me. But at the end of the day, um, I ran a hundred miles in Leadville and some of the most beautiful mountains in the world. And, you know, if you would have told me five years ago that I was going to run a mile, I would have thought you were crazy, let alone run a hundred miles. Um, so I'm, I appreciate the opportunity to show up at the starting line. Um, yeah, really, honestly, as healthy as, as healthy as I am, um, I mean, not only like, you know, being 400 pounds, but as unhealthy as I was mentally and physically last year with the alcohol abuse and the depression and yeah. everything that was going on last year, just to even show up this year at the starting line, healthy, um, was a blessing, and then to be able to finish it. Um, it's when it sinks in, um, it's, it's going to be one of the best moments of my life and to be able to share it with my boys. Um, it's, it's awesome. And I had, I'm so lucky. I, I can't even tell you how lucky I am with the people that I'm surrounded by, uh, my crew and my pacers that were there. Uh, my crew chief, she, gosh, she's just amazing. Um, I, I have no other words, but she's just so amazing, and um, she she helped me get everything that I wanted this year. Um, so I'm I'm just so lucky, and I just I can't I can't think of anything else other than how lucky I am to just be where I am today. Well, huge congrats, Gary! Like truly, truly, when I say when I put your finish up there with those other two guys, just top top inspirational stories like i i'm just really proud of you i'm thankful to have met you um run miles with you even during races and i look forward to seeing what you have up next i'm sure you'll have some crazy big goal for 2019 so thanks for sharing your race recap of the leadville 100 mile run and congrats again on finishing um yeah just thank you for sharing your story 
Well, thank you so much for the kind words and having me on. And I'm so thankful for your friendship as well. And uh, I will definitely see you on the trails. And uh, crazy big goals. I got a coin after Silver Rush, so I'm already back in 2019. (laughs) Oh, man. So you know what's on my mind for the next 361 days. That's awesome to hear. (laughs) Awesome, Gary. Well, take care and, and we'll stay in touch as always. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rob. I appreciate it. And that's episode 57. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I thought it was incredibly motivating hearing from Gary. Every time I speak with him, it is. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, and Bigger Than the Trail. Thank you to all you Patreon supporters. You guys are awesome. And again, I'll be doing a Instagram stories takeover for Hammer Nutrition. And I'll also try to do as many as I can myself. Hopefully you guys will be sick of CCC updates by uh, the end of next week. And hopefully I have a really cool race recap for you. And just appreciate your support. I truly enjoy every comment, every like throughout all the platforms. So thank you guys. And don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week. See ya. These weak arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. He's nervous. But on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud. He opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking how? Everybody's choking now. The clock's run out, time's up, over, plow Snap back to reality, oh, there goes gravity Oh, there goes rabbity choke He's so mad, but he won't give up daddies He know he won't have it, he knows His whole back's at his ropes It don't matter, he's dope He knows that, but he's broke He's so stagnant, he knows When he goes back to this mobile home That's when it's back to the lab again, yo This old rhapsody better go capture this moment And hope it don't do it Stardom's close to post-mortem